Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. I'd like to now ask the children to come forward and... Paul Kim, our children's director, will give us the children's message today. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear you? Good morning. Oh, better. So today's uh, Bible story is coming from John chapter 6, 1 through 15. I think we all know this story. But before going to the story, who's hungry? Oh, no one hungry? That's not in my script. Well, I'm hungry, and I packed some food. Hmm, I got some bread and some fish. Not real fish, I got goldfish, pretzel style, so. Hmm, do you think... Do you think I could feed everybody here with just this? Yes. Yes? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Just look at how many people there are. There's a lot of people here. I don't think this is maybe, enough. Maybe you can cut them really maybe. small. Yeah, maybe I can cut it really small. Do you think everyone would be full? No, I don't think so. So, we might be able to feed maybe just like us, but I don't know about everybody. But you know, Jesus was in this situation too. Jesus was preaching, and it was about lunchtime, and everyone was hungry. And there was about 5,000 people, but that could be even more. So if you look out here, look at all these people, we don't have 5,000 people. But just think about all these people, again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. It was a lot of people. And then, it was lunchtime, so everyone was really hungry. And so, Jesus asked, where can we find food? And Philip said, one of the disciples said, oh, well, we, there's so many people here, it would take about eight months worth of money to feed all these people, and we still wouldn't have enough. So that was a lot of people. But guess what? A little boy came out, and he had five loaves of bread and two fish. Real fish, <laughs> not fake fish, real fish. And he offered to help. But again, do you think we could feed all those people with just this? No. But Jesus took the bread and the fish, and he prayed. He gave a blessing. 
did something very amazing. Let me show you. This is just an example, okay? In my box here, I got nothing, okay? So I'm going to put the five loaves of bread in here. And I'm going to put my two fish in here. <laughs> and now, Jesus went around and he started to feed everybody. What? He started to give everybody some bread and some fish. And he kept going. And he kept going. And he kept going. And he kept go. You don't want it? <laughs> <laughs> and he kept going. And he kept going. And he kept going. Are we past five? And he kept going. Wow. Oh my goodness. And he fed all 5,000 people with just two loaves of bread, I mean, five loaves of bread and two fish. What do we call that? It's not magic. <laughs> it's called a miracle. Remember that word? A miracle. Jesus used real power. I used, I used magic, but a trick. But Jesus used real power from God to do that. And he blessed everybody. And one really important thing is that God, or Jesus used this little boy to uh, help, to make this happen, to use this little boy out of all the adults that were here. God used this one little boy. And God can use you too in ways that maybe adults can't. Maybe you can invite someone to church and bring them to church and show them who God is. Or maybe you can be kind to somebody or pray for somebody. Those are very great things that you can do to help. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us together and learning about Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000 and using this little boy who only had not much, very little, to do something amazing and to show everyone who you are. And God, I pray that you would use us to show everyone who you are. And Jesus, I pray, amen. Surely our God supplies all that we need uh, according to his riches. We are blessed to have a God who loves us so much. We are blessed to have these little children. A reminder to us all that we are just like them. Uh, we need God's provision. We need God's wisdom. Uh, our duty before the Lord, like our children, is to walk in obedience to him. Uh, knowing that even we who are human parents know how to love our children, how much more will our perfect Father in heaven 
love us as well. Praise be to our God. Today in our message, we see Jesus approach a man by the name of Levi. And we see how Jesus again in this little vignette shows us his character, his plan to reveal himself, and to show how the person, Levi, and the tax collectors, how they reacted to him, and how the audience, whether it be the Pharisees and the scribes, or us as the readers react to this story. There's a power in narrative that is beyond simply stating propositional truths. The narrative invites us to feel emotion. The narrative invites us to put ourselves in the shoes of these characters, um, to understand that our faith is not something that's impassive without feeling but that our relationship with God and our faith in God um, incorporates our emotions, incorporates our hearts. So here today, I want you to put yourself in the place of Levi, the tax collector. Put yourself in the place of the Pharisees and the scribes and Put yourself in your own shoes and be honest with who you are and who this Jesus character truly is. So here's the story. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He was sitting at his tax booth and he was collecting taxes. That's what they did. Levi would have like a table and the people would come through and they would pay their taxes. Now, tax collectors were not very much liked in that day. And just like today, if you get a, a visit from the IRX or IRS or a tax man, that usually isn't a fun conversation to have. Most people don't like to pay taxes. I have a friend here in Georgia who lives in Fulton County, but will go to Starbucks in Gwinnett County because local taxes are cheaper. <laughs> Save four or five cents. That's just what they do. But Levi himself, the tax collectors themselves, during the time of the Roman government, were some of the most hated people amongst the Israelites. For the first part is this, is that Levi himself had aligned himself with his oppressors. Think of the story. The Roman Empire has come in, taken over Israel, and has made them subject to them. And the Roman government has placed their own tetrarchs to rule that area, and these tetrarchs, their job was to collect taxes. Who better to collect taxes but their own people? And say so they looked around to hire people who were just like the Israelites to tax their own people. 
Now, how many of you would apply for that job? To say, I am going to work for those who have conquered us and oppressed us, and then I am going to tax my own people. That would be a very difficult thing for any of us to do. But here was Levi, who did exactly that. He became an enemy, a traitor. And his job was to tax his very own people. The second thing about Levi and the taxes that he collected made this even more difficult. Where did the taxes go to? To improve the conditions of the Israelites and how they were living? No. (laughs) Better health care? No. The taxes they collected were basically used to continue to feed the army that was suppressing the people themselves. So you were taking your hard-earned money, giving to your oppressors so they could use it to oppress you. That in itself raised the bar or raised the stakes of how much this man was hated. A traitor in their midst. This man surely cannot be called one of us. And to raise the stakes one more step higher, tax collectors were known to use false scales in order to collect more money than they should. So the scene is very simple. He has his booth, his table. People are walking through. He has his scales, and he might have a five-pound weight that he puts and says, listen, your tax is five pounds of gold or five pounds of whatever it may be. But instead of having a real... uh, a true five-pound weight on that scale, it might be 5.2 pounds, 5.3 pounds. It might be 5.4, point just a little bit more. So they can collect a little on the side for themselves. But this was just the cost of doing taxes. Everyone knew that this is what tax collectors did. And that's why Scripture talks about tax collectors. Have, have your weights true. Collect only that which is required. Because this was a practice that was common that day. So here's Levi collecting even more than he should be collecting. I'm sure this guy has no friends. Except other tax collectors. I'm sure there is very few, if any, Israelites who wanted to associate with him. I'm sure he was a pariah in his own country. Surely a man like this cannot be saved. 
this story is amazing because if we think about our own situation, the story is like something like this. Who is your greatest enemy? Who is it that's after, this, to this, after you and to destroy your family? Who has unjustly taken from you over and over and over again? Who, when you look into their eyes, there's nothing but hatred, frustration? This was the tax collector. Now imagine the person you love the most, friend or family member, who goes to your enemy and says, this person will be my friend. The conflict, the vitriol just would turn in your hearts. This was the man. This is the person that Jesus went to. As he was sitting there, Jesus says to him, follow me. And this man did something remarkable. He left everything. He rose and followed him. We don't have the details of his story, his conversion story. We do know that he is a follower of Jesus. That's all we need to know. We do know there was action that occurred when Jesus asked him to follow. He, he left everything behind. And we know that he did something remarkable. He invited that man, Jesus, into his home and held a feast with him. He welcomed the man in who had changed his life and he welcomed with him the other tax collectors to recline at the table. The picture of reclining is simply they were sitting, relaxing, even lying down a little bit. But the picture there is they were going to eat for a long time and enjoy each other's company. And so here is Levi, a changed man. Whatever perceptions the world might have had of him, I'm leaving it all behind. My fellow tax collectors, here's the man who has changed me. My fellow tax collectors, let us eat together and hear what this man, Jesus, had to say. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled as disciples, saying, 
Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now this is the voice of those who are teachers of the law, the religious of the day. This is the voice of people who have had the covenant of God written on their hearts, who've read the Torah in the Old Testament and have known it since the day they were born. And they were grumbling. Because how could Jesus welcome people who are unrighteous? Brothers and sisters, Jesus does not call those who are righteous, but Jesus calls those who are unrighteous. And we have to sit here and understand what it means for us not to beholden ourselves to our own standards of righteousness or to think that we are right or to think that we are holy or to think that we have everything together. What does it mean to think that we are whole, to think that we are righteous? Well, who were the Pharisees and the scribes? The Pharisees and the scribes believed that their righteousness was because they followed all the laws and all of the rules that were prescribed in the Bible and all of the laws and all the rules that they themselves prescribed on top of that. And every time that they followed a rule, they patted themselves on the back. Every time they went up to pray and they prayed out loud, they put a check mark and said, I prayed today. Every time they would go to temple, I went to temple today. Every time they believed they did something right, they put a check next to their name. And what happened to these people is that they forgot who God was. They forgot that the law pointed to God and instead made God look, sorry, instead made the law God itself. For us as God's people, the sign of us of being someone who is self-righteous is when we follow the law for the sake of simply following the law instead of following the law for the sake of knowing who Jesus is. That when we start to compare ourselves with other people or when we start to compare ourselves with the standards of the law and think that we have achieved something, that's when we're in danger. And it's easy for us to do. Little children do this all the time. 
if you have more than one child or if you yourself aren't an only child and you've had brothers and sisters, you have gone to your parent and say, Mom, I did this, but my, my brother didn't do it. <laughs> or, Mom, I, I, emptied the, I, I put my dishes away, but my sister didn't put them away. And the purpose of that for siblings is to say, I follow the law, and you didn't. But what's more insidious about that is that if you become simply keepers of the law and compare yourself with the law, you somehow believe that if you are more righteous than someone else, that that makes you closer to God than someone who doesn't. And what makes you even more insidious is just like that child that says, I follow the law, Mom. You need to love me more. Which the mom won't. But what's worse is you saying, my sibling didn't follow, so you shouldn't love him at all. And this was the Pharisee saying to the disciples about the tax collectors. Look how evil they are. You should not have mercy. You should not love them. You should not pursue them. They are unworthy to be pursued. But those Pharisees, Jesus did not call. For us who think that we are well, he did not call us either. And I do think this is one of the most difficult things for us as believers to realize is that we are not righteous, but that we are unrighteous. That we have not achieved anything in this world or anything in our spirituality that deserves to be called good. But that we come to Jesus with our filthiness. And God loves us still. Who does Jesus call? Jesus calls the tax collectors, the sick, and the sinners. Jesus calls the tax collectors. Sorry about that. I just saw the pizza walk by. Jesus called the tax collectors, <laughs> the sick, and the sinners. Now here in this vignette, what do we see? We see lines that were very much delineated in this culture. That righteousness was or unrighteousness was associated with a position, right? If you're a Pharisee or a scribe or a Sadducee, that equates righteousness. If you're a tax collector, that equates to unrighteousness. It's pretty cut and dry in this society and pretty cut and dry in the way people perceive others. 
as well. Now here is Jesus going against the norms of the religion that he's preaching about and the gospel that he's teaching. That he's here not for Israel per se, but he's here for those who are sinners, those who are outcasts, those who have nothing. And he comes to call them and them alone. Now you may ask yourself, I'm not a tax collector. You know, I just work in the store. But here in this passage, God does something different. He breaks down the, the barrier of what you do to simply who you are and what's in your heart. Those who look like that they were righteous become unrighteous. Those who looked unrighteous, like the, sad, like the, the tax collectors, because of their confession, because of their turning away, become those who are righteous in the Lord. We have hope in God, not because of who we are and what we do, but we have hope in God because of what we recognize in our hearts as being sinners, as being sick, as being weak. And what we recognize that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can heal us and turn us around. No longer does it matter what st state status of life that you have. No longer does it matter if you've been an enemy of God all your life. It doesn't matter if, if right now you really do believe that there's no way to return to the Lord. Right now, when you walk around this world and you see people who, are, who look like they're pure enemies of the Lord, there's no way you can look at them anymore and say there's no hope for them. But for us as God's people, we understand that all people, anyone, whether you're an enemy of God, can come to Him today and know Him and worship Him and be with Him. Brothers and sisters, the call for us today is to acknowledge our enmity with God, to acknowledge that we are sinners, to acknowledge we're sick, to acknowledge we're unrighteous, And the call for us is also to do the same for one another. To look upon each other as unrighteous, as enemies, as sinners. And to have compassion upon each other. But 
But the last point here on Jesus' call the sick is, is the most important. In verse 32, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Call sinners to repentance. So far in this message, I could preach this message in the middle of a university, and people would say, I like this message. Up to this point, I could teach this on a TED Talk, and people would say, that's a great lesson from the Bible, that we are to love our enemies, that Jesus himself gave us an example to, to love our enemies, that we are to see ourselves as, as weak, fragile people who need one another. At this point, this is a great message for the world to hear. But this last phrase in verse 32 puts everything on its head, does it not? I've not come to call the righteous, but again, sinners to what? To repentance. And this last step is the step that everyone balks at. This last step is the step that even Christians balk at. This last step is the step that even in our world today, in churches, people balk at. Because what Jesus is saying is, okay, you're a tax collector? Jesus is not saying, okay, you're a tax collector? All right, let's try to find you another job where you'll be like. He's not saying that. Neither is saying, Neither is he saying, okay, let's just make you a better tax collector. He's not saying that. He's not saying to the sick, okay, sick, let's just make you well. He's not saying that. He's saying to all the people that he comes in contact, to, to, to this Levite, that what you need is to repent. to restore your humanity by knowing that I am the Savior, by knowing that God is your Father, to know that He will receive you in your sins, that He will love you. That that is the remedy to all that is happening in this story. That one word, repentance, if I was doing a TED Talk, they would say, let's get rid of this section. If I was preaching in a, in a church that didn't believe in Jesus, they would get rid of this section. But for us who know God, this is the most important section. Because we cannot simply say, okay, we're all weak. Okay, we're all sinners. Okay, we're, we're all messed up. Let's just love one another. Because that will not sustain. You get a bunch of broken people trying to love other broken people with their own power. It will not work. But you get broken people who go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I know I need help. 
but I also know that the reason why I need so much help is because this world is broken and I am broken. Because I have sinned against you. Because this world has sinned against you. And it's only the forgiveness that you've given that we can come to you and know you. That when we come to you and know you, my relationship with you makes me healed in the midst of my brokenness. Then there's hope. Then there's change. Then there's a reason for us and a power for us to love one another and help each other. I can only imagine what type of transformation this man had. But I assure you, the first thing he didn't think about was how can I be a better tax collector when he met Jesus? The first thing he didn't think about was, how can I be a better Israelite when I met Jesus? The first thing he thought about was, how can I know Jesus? How can I love him and be loved by him? Brothers and sisters, you might look in the mirror and see a tax collector. It's easy for us to deprecate ourselves. That road is the simple road. It's easy for us to think that God can never love someone like me. But this story shows otherwise. God loves you. God did not say to the tax collector, be a better person, then come follow me. No, just follow me. And Jesus says to you the same thing. Just follow me. But brothers and sisters, when you come to him, don't come to him with a feeling. Don't come to him with an intellectual assent. Don't come to him with just a, aha, this is going to work. Come to him on your knees. Verbally tell him, I'm a sinner before you. Verbally tell him, I need your forgiveness. Verbally tell him that I need this because without it, it's not about me feeling good about myself, but I need to repent because I need you. I need you. And let Jesus come into your life. And may he be sweet. And may your love for him grow as deep as his love for you. Let's pray. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There is no one like you, and we worship you. We ask of you, Lord God, to help us, Lord, to see us as we are. And as we do, Lord, help us to see you as you are. You are more gracious than we can ever imagine. You are more loving than we can ever imagine. And you have given us all that we need for righteousness and holiness and to know you. But Lord, we have been too busy, too lazy to acknowledge you and to repent. And so here we are today. We ask you for forgiveness, Lord God. We ask you for forgiveness not just because we feel guilty. We ask you for forgiveness not because we feel shame. We ask you for forgiveness not so that we can feel better about ourselves. We ask you for forgiveness, Lord, because we want to know you. We want to be known by you. We want to see you. We want to walk with you. We want you to show yourself to us. We want you to be the only thing that we need. We want you to be uh, more than... um, our, 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 our full identity, Lord God. We don't care, Lord, who we are, where we come from, what job we have, Lord. We, we, we want you. So, Lord, we repent. And we ask you to heal us, our hearts, and give us that love for you, that again, that you have for us. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.